Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 34 of the Hunting Collective. I'm Ben O'Brien, and today I am in Kona. Hawaii at the home of legendary surfer and all-around badass Shane Dorian. Uh, Shane's a great friend of mine, somebody I admire greatly for his the way he raises his kids, the way he lives his life, all the achievements he's had in his long career in surfing, and the things he still does today. But one of my favorite things about the guy is that he loves bow hunting, and that's really all he thinks about. It's all he thinks about, and it's the most exciting thing in his life right now besides his wife and kids. And if he could hunt every day, I'm pretty sure this guy would. And hopefully that comes through in episode number 34 of the podcast. We were on Hawaii to run around, have a good time with our bows in tow. And it was a memorable experience to be there with Shane. So without further ado, Shane Dorian. Shane Dorian. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How you doing, man? Hi, Ben O'Brien. How are you? We're doing a podcast, aren't we? We are. Yeah, we are. Fine. We've been talking about doing this podcast for like a long time it's now. It's me bothering you, really. Like, yeah. hey, you're like, I just want to hunt. I'm like, Kinda. we got to record us talking. Right? I guess, yeah. I guess uh, in truth, I've been avoiding doing this podcast for a pretty long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been... <laughs> I finally just like hunting you down to do this. Yeah. Uh, but you just like... Nowadays, you just like to go hunting. Right. I mean, it's not, you don't want to be on podcasts no, or be filmed no. or be photographed or I be don't. made to do things. You just want to hunt. But if it means I get to go hunting, I will. Yeah. So that's yeah. it. Sacrifice. And so how good of an idea was it for me to avoid doing this podcast until now? Because you had to come all the <laughs> way to Hawaii, come hang yeah. out and hunt, hunt Hopefully none of my Meat Eater Inc. bosses are listening to this. Yeah, that's right. But yes, I podcasts take you places like this. 
So this is the first of a two-part podcast that'll be continued in 2019. Yeah. 19. yeah. <laughs> We're going to actually just stop talking at some point yeah. to be continued. That's right. So we can go back, camp, yeah. be under the stars. Like, So we're in Hawaii. We're on the big island. And last night's moon, like where we were camping, the stars was unbelievable. Like blew me away. Like Hawaii sometimes just shocks you, even though yeah. you know tourists come here because it's beautiful, but still shocks you. Yeah, there's something about, I think if you're not from Hawaii or haven't spent time here, the, the mountains is not something that you really think of. In, you know, when you think of Hawaii, you're not thinking about how beautiful the mountains might be, but when you're up in the mountains camping with your buddies and a fire's going and everyone's telling stories, drinking cold beers after hunting all day, it yeah. doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, last night definitely was, was that good. But now we're at the Dorian Residence um, and done hunting and uh, getting ready to fly back to, to Montana. I don't want to go back. I'd like to stay here. How how uh, how cold is it in Montana right now? It's got to be like twenty degrees, man. <laughs> it's probably snowing. Yeah, it's, per- it's like seventy two degrees here. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's great. Um, for those that don't know, we'll, let's let's go back to when you were a young Grom, as you as you guys say down here. Yeah. Um, surfing. I mean, most folks will know you for as being a big wave surfer, um, but you grew up doing you know surfing living in hawaii living that lifestyle give people a snapshot of what that was like what when you came up i think pretty much nobody who listens to your podcast knows who the hell i am so (laughs) (laughs) who who is like that guy that hunts with cam haynes yeah um yeah my story is basically i was born and raised in a little town called kona in on the big island of hawaii and just um grew up in the 70s and grew up surfing my family had a little restaurant down at the beach and so I just grew up on the sand every day I just you know that's where I learned to walk and learned to swim and learned to body surf and learned to fish and learned to you know go diving and all that stuff so I just kind of you know grew up in the ocean and made all my friends through surfing and that's kind of what I did every summer every every school break um after school it's kind of consumed everything yeah were there any when you're growing up were there like some you know, there's so much culture here. There's so many shared ideas, just the way it happens in this part of the world. Looking back on your childhood, were there anything that, any philosophies or just ways of life that made you who you are today? Like the big huh, shared yeah. ideas? I think, I don't know. Um, probably being really respectful at a really young age is like integral and kind of mandatory in Hawaii. Like, right. um, you know, in Hawaii we have a, you know, this dynamic between the, the, the like local Hawaiian people who have been here for, you know, hundreds of years and had a totally, um, undisturbed lifestyle for a very long time before, you know, uh, white people, whatever you want to call them, (laughs) got here and basically changed everything. And so there's still this dynamic that is there. Um, and so I think it just, the, the, the vibe in Hawaii is really awesome and it's really great. And I, but I think you just kind of learn to really respect everybody and, sh- and show people respect in Hawaii. It's kind of, if you don't do that, you like learn pretty quickly that this is not the place for you. So, um, that's definitely something I think that that is a, that is, I think no matter where you visit in Hawaii, that's, that's something that, um, I don't know how to explain that really in any other way, but, um, and it's not, I'm, I'm sure it's like that everywhere in the world, but, um, definitely in Hawaii it it really stands out a lot yeah I mean especially it does growing stand up out. you know being in school and being around yeah. um 
you know, just a lot of people and this and that. It definitely stands out. Yeah, I mean, there's just certain places in the world where, you know, like a Hollywood producer would come and be like, I can make a show out of that. Yeah. Because there's connective tissue things that happen here that just don't happen in other places. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of TV shows based in Louisiana around the Cajun culture right. and what that means. Yeah. This, the Hawaiian culture is is similarly interesting to me because there's just a lot of things that go on here that don't in other places. You yeah. Know, I'm sure it's, uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but there's, you know, food and family and, you know, everybody's an uncle, everybody, oh, like, yeah. you know, that culture is, is powerful yeah. to me. It's funny. I feel like, um, in the U S the two States that are more like their own countries are Hawaii and Texas. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, not that I visited all everywhere in the U S but Texas really kind of stands out as, as having its own culture, having things that are really like unique to Texas. Yeah. And I feel like Hawaii is kind of the same thing. If you come to Hawaii, it's almost you, you feel like you went out of the country. It's totally different, different culture, different kind of people, different kind of food, different kind of way of life. You know, it's just, um, yeah, but I, I like it a lot. I like the, the slow pace of life. And I know, I've traveled a lot in my life and Hawaii has always been the place I always wanted yeah. to come home to and happy to be born and raised here. Yeah. I mean, in your late teens and you start, you surf throughout your childhood, but in your late teens, uh, things started to get serious yep yeah so i got really into the surfing thing and got pretty good at it so i started doing a lot of like amateur competitions and then i ended up wanting to pursue it as a whatever you want to call that um as a job i guess and so i moved over to oahu by myself and went to high school there kind of put myself um i'd, I'd work in the summers here at home on the big island and then i would save up my money and i sh- ship my car over to oahu each, each year and stay there to surf big waves and yeah. you know uh train and and uh compete against all the best kids and then i uh graduated high school and uh kind of chased my dream to, to become a pro surfer yeah. which is uh you know i basically traveled around the world for about 15 years competing full time and you had you were telling me about a, a documentary that's coming out on hbo that kind of chronicles that time, you know, that time in your life and the friends you came up with and the filmmakers you worked with. And yeah. Like there's some revolutionary shit going on there. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it's a funny story that I, we never really thought would be told, um, in this way, but yeah, moment, uh, it's called the momentum generation and it's a documentary film that's being, uh, put out by, H- by HBO and it's really good. Actually, it's great. It, 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 it kind of, chronicles a time uh that was set in like the late 90s early 2000s actually like mid 90s early 2000s where our group of friends were all the same age and really good at surfing we're all kind of coming up uh a few of us from hawaii a few of us from california a couple from florida and then we all basically became friends because we were all pursuing the same dream and a lot of us came kind of like from broken homes and kind of crazy families and then so being on the road like our friend, our sort of our friendship became our family. And so we traveled together and hung out together and lived together for like 10 years. And it kind of tells that story. It's yeah. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Transformative for you. I mean, like I can't begin to ask you, like, I'm sure there's a million stories you could tell about that time. Like how many countries did you surf in? How many places oh, did you go? How many nights did you spend in hotels or hostels or wherever the hell you stay? Yeah. Like, we would basically, there was a group of us that were kind of like between eight and eight and 12 people. And we would go to like a European leg of the tour where we'd surf in um, 
France, Spain, and Portugal and do like two events in each country or three events in each country. And so we'd be there for like two, like two and a half months of the year. And we'd go and we'd rent a couple houses and rent a few rental cars. And so there'd be like six of us in each rental car with like a, <laughs> with like giant board bags. Like each one of us would have like six or eight boards in a big board bag on top of the car. And this is back in the day when there's no phones. You'd like, you'd literally have like a, like a map, like a rental car map and it'd be like driving from Spain to Portugal or to France. And we were just a bunch of little kids, like, you know, 19, 20 years old. And we'd get there and the place we thought we had, we didn't have. So we'd end up like sleeping on the beach in our board bags and freezing to death. Holy and then we'd have to surf in contests the next day but we kind of just like grew up on airplanes and grew up traveling by ourselves with no parental supervision and no one telling us to you know go to sleep early no one telling us to prepare for the contest no one yeah. no one telling us to not chase girls no one you know and it was so it was it was a really fun time to be that age and a, a really amazing way to grow up for sure yeah, yeah I mean that, that, would you uh how would you categorize that reckless living or did, was it just, was it calculated? Like we're driven. I want to win. I'm here to win. Or was it more just like, I'm having a good time rolling my boys doing my thing. It was more of the latter for me. I mean, there, that's, that's what's interesting about the story. And if, if anybody wants to, to see the film, um, it'll be on HBO really soon here, uh, depending on when people listen to the podcast. But, um, like November, I think it's like November 11th on HBO 2018. It'll be, out there for everybody to see on HBO. So, um, so yeah, like for, for, for me and a few of the guys, we were more casual. I was trying really hard to, to win and I was competing and trying to compete for a world title. And, and for a few years, it, I definitely got really serious about, there was a couple of us that became extremely serious, like pursuing those goals and pursuing the world title year after year. And it, and it really took its toll personally on, on, for those couple people. And then it also took a toll on our friendship just in general. Um, and so that, that's a really, um, there's, there's a lot of parts of that story that are really interesting. And, but our, our collective group is still super, super tight now that we're kind of like most of us are retired from full-time competition. There's only one of us, um, Kelly Slater that is doing his last full year right now of competition. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're, we're still a very tight knit group of friends that, um, we're all, most of us are all in our forties now. So, yeah, we could kind of like look back on the, on that time of growing up and just go, what the hell, how, how do we get so lucky? You know, cause that was a, a wild way to grow up and a wild way to be, you know, 18 years old. And yeah. I was too young to rent a car and I was traveling, you know, like 80% of the time out of the country. Crazy man. Yeah. It's yeah. nuts. And you never like, I find with things like that, you guys didn't plan. That was just what you did to surf. Yeah. Like you just did it to surf. Oh man. I mean, I was like, I, what? what job can I do to where I can surf as much as possible and yeah. see the most of the world and surf yeah. the most waves and welcome to everybody in the hunting industry. Like, yeah. Like, what job can I do? Yeah. So I can hunt the most, see, see the world, shoot my bow. That's right. Be with my buds. There's a lot of camp. parallels, right? Yeah, there is a lot of parallels. Yeah. Cause if there was a, if there was a hunting world tour, goddamn right. I'd be on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'd make, I'd make you come with me. We yeah. go roll around. That's the goal. Someday we're on, you know, we're going to be on the bow hunting world <laughs> the tour. Bow hunting world tour. We'll just make it up in our minds. Yeah, we'll just say, hey, we're going on the world tour, honey. Yeah. We'll be back in a Everyone, couple months. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Uh, it's the world tour. <laughs> it's the world. It's very costly. We're poor. But I mean, you were telling me like most surfers even today are poor. Like, oh yeah, even the pro surfers. I yeah, we're we're talking about that. It's like um, there's there's a lot of people that are really chasing the dream and 
they just doing it just because they love the lifestyle and yeah. want to travel and see the world and and that's their dream is to is to you know surf full time. Yeah. So it's 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 definitely a grind. It definitely you know from the outside it looks really you know there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, upside there. But if you do it for a living, it's it's like everything has its good parts and its bad parts. But it's I've been really yeah. lucky. I've been doing it for a very long time. So yeah, I mean, and what you do is dangerous. It's not for those who aren't initiated to what exactly. Shane is talking about you have to go just search Shane Dorian Jaws or really just Shane Dorian yeah Shane Dorian surfing and watch the videos of of this this man going down a wall of water <laughs> how many stories high yeah, like 60 feet or something 60 feet high uh and surfing along it like it's nothing and doing that day after day in those types of scenarios or or year after year like can you describe to people kind of what it is to or undertake something like that? I mean, to, no. to, to truly... Nope. <laughs> no. Next no, question. You can't. Next question. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I so I competed full-time for like 11 or 12 years or like 15 years really, but like anyway, um, and then I got really burnt out on competition and then I, I, I decided to stop competing. So, I decided to stop competing and pursue big wave surfing. So, I was always, always super passionate about chasing big swells around and I never really had the time when I was competing full-time. So... I ended up putting a lot of time and effort into chasing giant waves as soon as I was done competing and that became my my focus and my that's what I was just like super motivated to do and so I would train year round and get really physically and mentally um psychologically fit for surfing the kind of waves that no one wants to surf and um yeah I, I love I love it I I I yeah. still do it yeah You were saying that in the in the ride up here today that um, it's not a, a it, there's physical parts of what you do on the big wave side, but it's mental. It's like, what's that, what's that look like in your mind? Yeah. I mean, as far as like, I mean, I, like we're talking about the kind of waves that a lot of people have drowned in. I've, I've lost like a lot of friends who have died surfing big waves and, and in those kind of conditions, it's like, you know, you might, you might wait six months for one of those swells or a year for one of those swells. And on that day when the, when the waves are giant, you know, I mean, that's, that's a call that mother nature makes. That's not something that you're like, okay, in May, in the second week of May, the waves are going to be giant. Yeah. You just have to be like totally prepared all the time. And that's, what's really different about surfing is if you have a cough or you have a cold or you have a sore ankle or whatever, it doesn't matter. The waves are still going to be 60 feet that day and the best day in years. So just one of those things you got to be continuously prepared for that. And that's, what's really unique about surfing giant waves and, so from a mental perspective, it's a lot of like being prepared, training, making sure you have all the right equipment, making sure your boards and your, all your gear is all dialed and that you're physically and mentally fit all the time. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop 
for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called The Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. It's rain. Oh, is that rain? That's good. Yeah, that's rain. No, it just started raining. We were wondering what that noise was. Yeah, I was like, it's weird in the headphones. I couldn't yeah, really like, tell what? what that was. What? Is, um, the, rain, is the rain okay? Oh, as yeah, long the rain doesn't great. get too crazy. It's, it makes it calm. Makes it's very our, calming. Our voices can become, oh, yes, it's raining. For, uh, oh. for those who are listening um, but can't see where we are, it's pretty sweet here, huh? Dude, your house. Yeah, man. When I first came up here, I'm like, I can't, I can't imagine Shane Dorian like not living on the uh, like living on the beach, right? And I got here, I'm like, this is better. It's like you have a view of the ocean. It's not like an ocean view, but you can see the ocean. Yeah. But there's this, all this native forest around here. It's like a, it's a legit jungle. I mean, this is that's what you how I would describe it. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, we're at four four thousand feet elevation, and in the in a rain in a in a like a native rainforest and wild boars running around and <laughs> you can just jump off the deck with your bow and then go run around get chase nuts. wild boars yeah man i i every time i come to hawaii i feel like i've never vacationed in hawaii i don't know what it's like to go to a hawaiian resort and like drink mai tais and <laughs> yeah i don't know what that's like i've only ever hunted here neither do i i've only ever hunted every time i hunt here i think like this place is badass <laughs> i don't want to tell you know i don't really want to tell many people luckily not a lot of people listen to this, but <laughs> the, it's just like a, I don't know if it's, it's, 
New Zealand's a little bit like this too. It's just like the way these islands function, the different animals, the different, like just the different feeling when you come here. It's hard to describe, but you know it well. I mean, it's just, you know, you've hunted around, I've hunted around. I would say that the hunting here on the big island and, and here on Lanai or wherever is as unique as it gets. Like just, it's a different, we have our North American model of conservation, but this one is, this is not that. Um, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's definitely a lot different than their, than your mainland sort of setup. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. We'll get back to that. I want to get through the, <laughs> we'll get through the surfing part cause we have to, <laughs> then we'll get to the hunting part cause we want to. Um, but where were we with your surfing? Yeah, I mean, that's what, it. The and mental state of yeah. riding a 60-foot fucking wave and not dying or, yeah. you know, putting yourself in that, like, immense danger willingly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. It's just, like, being on your game is no different from, like, being, this is going to sound cheesy, but, like, being, like, do, doing any super dangerous job, like being a race car driver or whatever. It's just, <sighs> like, you have to be 100% committed and... um in that moment you you can have no hesitation and no there's no like aspect of your mindset that's like oh maybe this is a bad idea you have to be like fuck yeah i'm doing this fuck yeah and it's and no matter what happens no matter what the outcome is i'm this is happening right now and so it's cool it's kind of like liberating in a way to like leave a lot up to mother nature and the the whatever's happening in the universe at that time and just being out there in the ocean on the biggest swell of the year and being like i'm gonna go out there and bring my experience and my skill and um and see if i have what it takes to yeah make it all happen yeah i mean it's we were talking again on the way over here at some point during our trip about a little bit about how the pressures of hunting and you know the position you put yourself in to get to get it done to work hard and get something done in the wild places we go to do all that changes you a little bit like it, you know, changes your perspective on life. The the way that, yeah, you're more pragmatic. You're a little bit. Your anxiety is a little bit less because you know that wild place is out there and you can disconnect and you can have that. Is there something in surfing when you know that you're going out there to chase that danger or to put yourself in that position? Does that change the way you live your life? Does it change your mental acuity or like how you see the world around you when you come back to society? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's. It's uh, there's no way to talk about it without sound, sounding kind of cheeseball, but um, the extreme intensity of the situations you put yourself in with really giant waves, and is our 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 those experiences are so extreme. Yeah, you feel like you're like really really pushing it as a as you as a human, like you're at the edge of like where you should be, way past your comfort level. Um, and sometimes you get yourself in a position where you didn't never intended to, you know? Yeah. So, you know, when that day's over and the swell goes away and you get back home, everything just seems so relaxed and the stress level is so low and there's nothing to worry about. You're not going to die in the ocean today. And, you know, and, and for me, I have a, I have, you know, two kids and a wife at home and I got a lot to lose. I'm a, I, I don't surf big waves cause it's, yeah, I can get really close to dying. That's not why I'm doing it. Yeah. I love surfing big waves. I love the challenge, and I love I love the camaraderie with the guys who choose to surf big waves. Um, I have great friendships, and I just love it. I dig it. And so, like the danger aspect is not why I do it. Yeah. Part of the dangerous aspect is part of probably 
why it's so exciting. But I, I love the excitement and the, and the challenge for sure. Yeah. And I, just trying to, I think the thing I like about it most is like the, the, the mental test, yeah. the mental test of in that moment, can you keep your shit together? Can you keep, can you maintain that focus and, and, and really rely on all the millions of experiences you've had in the past to bring yourself to this one moment where it's all on the line. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. And I think that's super, super similar to why I'm so drawn to bow hunting. I feel like that, that same, I've never felt anything like that with life, any other experience, any other sport, any other, anything where I feel like they line up almost identical. The feet, the feeling, the, the emotions that I get when I'm bow hunting because surfing's like that. It's like tranquil and cool and you're hanging out with your buddies and everyone's everything's awesome and you love it and you do it for the experience and then all of a sudden you get these really intense like climax moments where it's all on the line yeah. and it's really, really high stress situation where you have to keep your cool. And I feel like bow hunting's the same way. It is, man. Yeah. And it really like this week, this last couple of days hunting really like codified it in my mind that that all those things are so similar that you all there's such good around the moment that critical moment where you have to let that arrow fly do it in such a way that is you know kills the animal and kills it humanely and you do your job because it matters like it matters in that yeah. in that sense of the word but everything surrounding it is awesome like we were leaving your house to drive out to camp we were kind of like giddy little like let's, oh, let's, yeah. try. let's go man my bow's on yeah <laughs> oh shit like uh, it's shooting good it's shooting good we're gonna have a great time man we're gonna gotta go we're going we're going we're going and we got there we're like we're here we're fucking here yeah and then we we're like little kids man. yeah walking around in the rain go we're doing it man <laughs> We got a rain gear. We let's got a rain gear. Let's put it on. It's <laughs> badass. Let's rain it. It's working. Look how dry I am. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. It's fucking I love great. It. it is so good. Yeah. And then, and then, like all that kind of goes away in a moment where you are now. It's just you and the animal. There's nothing I can do to help. There's nothing that you can do to help me. Yeah. There is no way that that anyone could could sit beside you in that moment and tell you what to do. Like you have to do it yourself. And I guess the different thing about your surfing and hunting is that usually in hunting no one is watching yeah like you internalize the pressure and you put it on yourself because you know that you owe it to the animal you know you've worked hard for this but it's all internalized there's yeah. no i've said this on the podcast before like jim nance isn't over there going and shane dorian steps up draws his bow yeah and imagine, that. imagine if that was what was really yeah. going on and then that was happening in live you would completely change what you were doing but hunting is an internal there's an internal mechanism that you apply pressure to yourself because you know how important it is to kill that thing for yeah. many reasons. Well, I mean, in the moment of truth for me with surfing, if I screw up, everybody sees it. Yeah. In the moment of truth, if I'm bow hunting, if I screw up, nobody sees it. Yeah. That's my bad. And that's my bad arrow that went flying into the animal in the wrong spot in the animal. Yeah. That's, that's me who wounded the animal and I have to live with that, but I don't have to tell anybody about that. No, I didn't shoot any arrows today. Oh, I didn't have any. <laughs> luck. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, while there's some elk like limping over there, you know, it's like, so I think th those are those things like in bow hunting that are, that, that are really unique to bow hunting. It's like in those moments, I, there's, there's a lot, I think, um, and I think that's part of the draw of bow hunting too, because you have to make make those decisions and make those choices all by yourself. Yeah, and then you got to come back. Yeah, you got to come back and report to the world. However, you do that, whether it's just your buddies in camp or you're sharing it with social media or whatever. There's this this man. 
there's this, you could just be virtuous, right? You could just tell the story that makes you look the best or makes hunting look the best. Yeah. Or you could tell the true story, which is this shit is messy sometimes. Sometimes you screw up. Sometimes you feel like you're the best bow hunter in the world. And then the next day you feel like the worst. Like, and I don't, I don't care who you are. Yeah, even the, the best bow hunters make big mistakes. I'm telling you, I, like we've both hunted with some of the best in oh, the yeah. world, and there's mistakes made. Yeah, and there's animals wounded, or there's animals that take oh, four yeah. arrows. Yeah, that just happens to everyone. And if it doesn't happen to you, please call in. <laughs> yeah, let us know your secrets. Let us know your secrets. <laughs> I know there is no call in line. <laughs> yeah, but call in anyway. <laughs> call in anyway. <laughs> but that I, I just think. It always has one thing in having these podcast conversations that I've realized is exactly that. Like hunting is internal to you. Like yeah. you have the ability to shape your your the way you function in the woods, the way you think about animals, all those things and share that with the world. But when it comes down to making that shot, it's you. Yeah. And well and you can come you. back you know, you can come back to camp with your bow and just say no, I didn't get a shot, even though you wounded an animal. But it doesn't matter if you tell the truth to your friends or your buddies or not. You got to live with that truth. Yeah. I mean, you, like you can't lie to yourself. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've fucked it up on a shot before and couldn't sleep at night thinking yeah. about that animal. Yeah. Um, so that's just something that as a bow hunter, you need to own up to and deal with and do the best you can do, you know, but like no, I mean, nobody's born a perfect bow hunter either. No. I, no. The, uh, or any It's hunter. a long learning curve to yeah. become a good bow hunter yeah and you've, you've experienced that i mean you didn't you're one of the growing number of people that took on hunting later in life yeah. you know i would say oh yeah and you went through you went through a lot of what i went through as a kid in your 30s on your own yeah and there's a lot of people whether you know it or not but i do just from people that write in and talk to me about this podcast and, and just any other thing there's a lot of people that are listening to um, you know, our mutual friends like Dudley and Remy and Joe Rogan and going and wanting to go hunting and picking it up when they're 35 and have three kids and need someone to tell them how to do it or what to do or how to think. When I was a kid, you just shot the deer. We didn't think, we didn't talk about the philosophies around it or the ideologies or why it was important to the natural world or any of that shit. We just shot the deer and had fun doing it and never questioned it. And then here you are, you're in your, you know, your thirties, you pick up a bow, you, now you have the ability, you're an adult, you have kids by then. Yeah, probably. It was right. It was right. right I started bow hunting right before my wife got pregnant with my yeah. son, my first kid. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're married, you're having, mm-hmm. you're starting a family yeah. and here you are, you know, doing a lot of big things in the world and you're probably more equipped to take up hunting, right? Is that just to. Yeah. More mature. More mature. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, describe your, like your first, how you got your first bow and how you got started. Cause it's pretty good, pretty good story. Yeah. Well, for me, I've n- haven't really ever known anything except for surfing really. And, um, you know, I, I always, I always like grew up at the beach and, and my work was at the beach in the ocean. Um, so I was always like traveling to places that was, it's always the beach. Right. And so I always fantasized about living up on the mountain like where I live, where it wasn't hot, where the ocean wasn't right across the street, where the surfing wasn't like a one minute walk. So, you know, I, I, I ended up getting some property and building a house way up in the mountains at 4,000 feet. And, um, as soon as I started living here, um, everything I would plant would get dug up by wild boars. 
you know, I mean, there's just wild boars everywhere. And so they would just, just destroy everything. And so my buddy gave me a gun and said, if you shoot a couple, they'll scram and probably not come back for a while. And so I shot two, one or yeah, two, and immediately realized that I'm not a per- gun person. Um, so I gave the gun back to my buddy. Um, I have nothing against guns, but I just knew they weren't for me. Just the, the noise and the vibe. I don't know. It just wasn't my thing. And so my neighbor was a bow hunter and I became friends with him. So I'd go over there and uh, drink a couple beers in the afternoon and shoot arrows. And so when I got a pretty good grouping, he took me bow hunting. He had a couple tree stands on his property. Yeah. And the huge boar came in that night and I fucked everything up. I tried to put an arrow on and then I, and then I drew back and my arrow went flying off the rest and ding, 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 made the noise and the all pigs went, went bolting into the forest, but I was hooked. I was like, this is so hard. I just screwed everything up. The animals were right there. They had no idea. Just everything came together. And, and the next day I went and bought a used Matthews. The next day I was like, this is it. I want to become a bow hunter. And you said you bought it from the Hawaiian Ted Nugent. I bought it from this, this guy who lives down the street from my house that sells archery gear out of his house, out of his like spare bedroom because um, <laughs> at great. the time there was no archery shop right? yeah, like, man. so he had a bunch of used bows and literally used broadheads used broadheads and some new ones too That's... but I was like I would go and get like 100 grain muzzies and used 125 grain and he's like ah oh, they're all shoot the same it's all good and um, so I just grew up I, I just my whole start to bow hunting I had no mentor of really like hey get this bow here's the kind of arrows you want to shoot here's how you want to stand Here, here's how you do it here's the here's like the cheat sheets you know here, here's here, here's the cliffs notes to everything you need to know i kind of did every like bad move in the book like, yeah um and then i realized a really really good older fr- a really good friend of mine who's about 10 years older than i am uh, i ended up going hunting with him starting to hunt rams up in the mountains and he was just a really accomplished bow hunter. He'd been bow hunting. He's in his 50s at the time. And he'd been bow hunting since he was like eight years old, seven years old. And bow hunting that whole time consistently. Him, his brothers, uncles, grandpa, everybody, bow hunters. So he took me under his wing and taught me a ton. And then I started hunting like every week. I'd hunt like one or two days a week, every week for like maybe five years. So I was getting hundreds of days in the field. Yeah, And that's just here. And I was starting to go to Maui. Molokai, Lanai. And so I was getting like, you know, I was hunting like a hundred days a year, so some years. Damn. Or maybe a little bit less than that, but a lot. And in Hawaii, there's no bag limit. I mean, you better have a full quiver if you, if you go out <laughs> in Hawaii and hunt. If you, you know, there's a lot we that could happen. we found out this week. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. There's a lot of hunts you come back with one arrow or no arrows. Um, and so, yeah. So I went from like zero to 100 real quick. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's how you live your life. It makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but I felt like I found it late and I wanted to make up for yeah. lost time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I love this so much. I, I'm pissed that I didn't find it earlier. I was yeah. actually angry that I didn't find that. I didn't have a dad who hunted that, that I grew up and had those memories of like being in the mountains, with my old man. I was so jealous of friends like that. And I grew up with a bow in their hand. So I was like, shit, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm 30, all my 30s, all my 40s, all my 50s, all my 60s, all my 70s, I'm going to be bow hunting. My Even to this day. Oh, you're yeah. Like, dude, I'm trying to retire. And now I'm 100. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just bow hunt, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. I, that's, bow hunt. I, it's, I mean, I that's literally, I like, it's scary. If you if you knew how much I thought about bow hunting, you'd be scared. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't be scared at all. 
I'd be happy. But yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to, you know, there, it's interesting to me. I'm trying to get my thoughts together around, like, the conversation of your start in hunting. But it's interesting to me that you, you, you take on surfing from a young age and would you say, like, you, you know, you went hard and maxed out? Is yeah. That, is that true? Is that the right way to say that? You went hard as shit for a long time, became the best of the best, and then like now you here you are relatively at a young age kind of winding down that portion of your life. Yeah. And winding up sure. your hunting. Probably on the more like the the um the professional end of the surfing part. I'm still totally obsessed and in love with surfing. Yeah. I love going surfing still after yeah. 40 years. I literally like when the waves are good and I'll go surfing with my kid and surf for hours and have the best time ever. I love it. Yeah. I choose to go surfing. Yeah. I don't I don't do it cuz I get paid to go surfing. I I dig it. And even when and even when it has nothing to do with work for me at all, I'm going to continue going surfing cuz I love it. Yeah. It's it hasn't like somehow doing what I love for a living hasn't fucked that up, which That's I love good. that about it's it. It's good yeah. to hear. Yeah. Cuz that can fuck it up for a lot of people, yeah. you know. Shit, even for me, I've hunted a lot over the last decade and that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I'm just my mind goes to I can get I can be home for about a week and if I haven't thought about hunting or doing something hunting related, I get depressed. Like seriously depressed. And my wife has seen that in me and has said like if you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah. And we were talking about your wife as well, like you being away, traveling the world, doing your thing. I mean you have a a job that takes you away all over the world all the time and I do as well. But my wife said something not recently about I'm glad that you have a passion. She was like, I'm glad I want you to be here and I want and I know you want to be here, but I'm I'm glad that you have something that you love so much that you can go do it and come back. Like I'd much rather that than you sit around here and and go to work, run the nine to five and come home watch T V. So like I'd much rather have that. And I was like, I love you. I love yeah. you, honey. Oh, and that's so that's much. very unusual, I think. I know. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's she's right. I think it's true. Like yeah. I you much rather have that and be be pulled in two directions than just pulled in one direction. You know. If it's you know, work, family, if work is also your passion, the thing you want to do, life's way richer for that. That's for sure. Well, there's a lot of people who are married out there whose wife fell in love with them because they were this person who had all this passion. Yeah. And then they get married and then all of a sudden they get grief for going and doing all the things they love to do because they're not home as much. Yeah. And then a lot of people stop doing what they want to do and love a whole lot and stop pursuing their passions. And then for the wife, and then the wife's like, I don't like this guy anymore. He's kind of boring, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's like, you got to be unapologetically, you know, pursuing your passion no matter what. Yeah. That's who makes us who we are. And yeah. Bow hunting is part of me, is who I am now straight up yeah. and that's the truth and I'm not trying to hide that fact and um, my wife knows that Yeah. and if I'm a, being a dick around the house she'll call my, my buddies and be like look Shane's being a dick he needs to go hunting for real you guys <laughs> yeah. need to plan something and go yeah. hunting yeah I've got that problem same same problem Yeah. like around the house is an issue but yeah. we were out there so we're out camping you know in relative middle of nowhere and like you could see it on your face, and I'm sure you could probably see it on my face. Like, we are more comfortable and joyous and in our element in that place. Yeah. 
take us to town, put us in an airport. We're not that. Yeah. And I think that's probably, I think surfing probably, I'm sure did that for you, but, um, hunting is just like a derivative of wanting to be away and be disconnected and be, you know, more connected. We were in camp with five people and I felt like the conversation around the campfire were, were better than, you know, more laughs, more just bullshit than you could recreate in any circumstance. Yeah. No restaurant, no dinner party, nothing could recreate that. There's just no small talk either. Yeah. You're just around a campfire. So yeah. it's like their silence is fine. Yeah. And then if you're laughing, cracking jokes or telling hunting stories or whatever it is, great. But if you have nothing to say, you guys can just chill Sit out. Sit there. Everybody's there for the same reason, you know? If just I unplug for a few days. Food tastes better. Yeah. All food somehow tastes better. I was oh, eating yeah. canned tuna yesterday. I'm yeah. like, this shit is great. <laughs> it's canned tuna. It's delicious. Uh, sleep is somehow better. Like, the, not having a shower doesn't bother me at all yeah. when I'm in that situation. But Going to sleep dirty with face paint on your face? Yeah. Is something so good about that. I borrowed one of your kid's pillows <laughs> from his bed and I felt so bad, dude. Black was, face paint. Black face paint, just like my face and printed yeah. on his pillow. Yeah. Poor Jackson. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I was thinking that. I, I'd wake up and be like, dude, I'm. it's five in the morning and I went to sleep at 1030 and I walked 11 miles yesterday. Yeah. And this is, and I'm, I feel good. I don't feel tired. I don't feel depressed. I don't feel anxiety or stress. Even though the thing I'm doing is way harder than what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. 
Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. Anyway, I like it a yeah, lot. Yeah, I, like I love it too. I don't think I could ever get, I mean, I say this because I live in civilization, but live, like when I wake up in the middle of the night and open my eyes and I'm in a tent, I go, shit, I'm camping. Yes, I'm in a tent. I'm on a sleeping pad. Yeah. Like, there's something so good about it. Uh, like, I like romanticize the thought of camping. But I swear, I, I just, I feel like I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm a better version of myself when I'm out there and dirty and hunted yeah. all day and I'm tired and I worked my ass off and, and got frustrated because I missed or whatever it was like whatever the story was whether it's success or or sorrow or frustration or whatever it was it's like just being out there with your buddies and doing what we were like I feel like that's what I was meant to do you know yeah and that's why like food tastes better and even for me I figured this out earlier this year I I've said this before on this little podcast show that I've every year I try to at least once a year Whenever it is, I don't just sit down on like a day, but I try to sit down once a year and re-examine my hunting. Like what's changed? Over, what did I learn over the last year? Like what won't I do anymore? What do I do? Whether it's gear, tactics, or just, just things that I won't do. Mm-hmm. Be like ways, ways I won't represent myself or types of hunts I'll never do again or types of hunts I want to do every year, things like that. Like re-examine the type of hunter I am. Yeah. But then it comes to like trips like we just had that felt like just pure, like everything was right. The place, the people, that's when, for me, you're at that heightened sense of like, it's just straight up joy. Yeah, We we hunted in the rain. We hunted all day long. Like I said, I was eating like candy bars and shitty tuna yesterday, yeah. just sitting in the sun, like loving life. No, yeah. no sheep around, no mouflon around to hunt, but didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter, uh, and I can't. I I wonder how people that listen to this that maybe don't hunt or have family members don't hunt see, hear that and it translates to them because I'm not sure what other people's lives have or their passion is about. You and I are about bow hunting in the freaking middle of nowhere. As you know, I can't imagine sitting in a chair watching football and getting anything yeah. close to what we got. Yeah, well, every, everybody has their thing that you know that you know helps them deal with stress and everybody has their thing that helps them like become who they are better person and who they are and um i mean s- some of those people's ideas of of what's good for their stress levels or whatever like is my worst nightmare and sleeping in a tent and being dirty 
is most people's worst nightmare. Yeah. But that's why that's why it's cool. That's why that's why when I talk about bowling to people and they're just looking at me like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> cannot relate to you at all. Yeah. The hell are you doing? You're out there killing animals. You know, that's all they think it's about or whatever. And there's nothing you can tell those people to explain yeah. anything. So yeah, it's so complex. Don't even man. really try. So, well, we were riding in to have breakfast this morning, baby wiping the face paint, mm-hmm. like three day old face paint oh, off yeah. our faces. Yeah. So we could go have a pancake and not get stared at. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this moment is badass. Yeah. Like, you, you have it and i was thinking the same thing around that time when i'm wiping the face paint off i spent a lot of time i'm not that vain a person or whatever but i spent a lot of time looking in the mirror every day i spent a lot of time caring about what my clothes look like mm-hmm. or what like i spent a good amount of time on that stuff probably average but still i spend time fucking around with that yeah when you're out camping you just wake up and the clothes you have on and you just put a pack on and go like, yeah. as long as you're warm or dry, that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what you fucking look like. Yeah. And we put face paint on. We weren't over there, like, drawing, you know, writing your kids' <laughs> initials on your <laughs> face, man. We were just covering our stupid faces up so the yeah. sheep wouldn't see us. Well, and as fast as possible so we could get hunting. Yeah. Yeah, there was no art to it. It was gnarly. Yeah. No. I, I, that's my one of my favorite parts. But, this, yeah, the hunt we did kind of combined being out in the wilderness and archery and you know, camping and like all the best things, I think. Yeah. I think for sure. Yeah. It ticked every single box that I could ever want in hunting from the camping part to the, the camaraderie with really good people and like learning. I mean, uh, I mean like, uh, one of the guys on our, on our trip, John, he, I had, um, I hadn't met him before. So I got to meet, meet new, have new friends. And it just, there was like such a, everybody gelled super well. And there was, you know, all that just everything. It was epic. It yeah. was epic across the board. I think that's the only way to fly. And I, we were talking about this on the drive up here too, is that the hunting community, you know, which you came into more recently than a lot of folks is mm-hmm. like, has missed that a little bit, you know, has missed a little bit of the experience. And again, like you said, everybody gets on podcast now and talks about that. Like you can say it and that's almost virtue signaling at some point. Like, Hey, I'm, it's more about than just the killing. Mm. Of course, of course. Yeah. That's true. But, you know, when you tell your story, like when I hang out with you and we talk about hunting, we don't immediately start flipping out pictures of dead shit yeah. and flipping through it like trading cards. We don't do that. No. Like that's that's not because we're trying to make each other, you know, impress each other about our, but it's because we fucking love it. Yeah. And there's all million things to talk about. There's a million things to talk about rather than just the killing yeah. of, the th- of the animal. One of my favorite things about about all this is like just being there and learning about new animals and where they live, like in the terrain. Yeah. Like whether it's Axis deer on Lanai or Maui or whatever it is, like where they live and they thrive and they're in their element and their like their way yeah. of hiding, of rutting, of sleeping, all that stuff. Just learning yeah. the ways of an Axis deer. You can't be kidding me. That's the best thing on earth. Yeah, learning the ways of mouflon rams in the mountains in Hawaii is that's incredible. They're those creatures and the way they are, the way they rut, the way they butt each other. How crazy was that when they're <laughs> yeah. ramming each other in the heads? Yeah, that was crazy. They butt heads. Yeah. They do this full on like square off thing where they go whack whack, and they literally are fighting over the chicks right in front of you, and just their markings, the white on their their the big old white saddle and big black beard and the giant horns and they walk around like they're the shit like they're yeah. like the king 
They the are mountain. the king of yeah. that place. Yeah, but then juxtaposition to you watching that, and then about three or four hours later, it gets dark. You're sitting around the campfire, and somebody hands you a plate with bacon-wrapped mouflon that you just saw walking around. Yeah. Like, that is... Man, if there if there's not a better way to interact with nature, you, you know, somebody should tell me. Yeah. Because you're interacting with it, appreciating it, taking from it only what you need, and being nourished by it. Like, come on, man. Yeah. There, there's a lot of ways to interact with nature. Not all of them are good. A lot of them that are non-hunting ways are great. But that's a pretty damn foolproof way, in my opinion. It's pretty cool when it comes full circle during the hunt. Yeah, you know, like a lot of times you go hunting. If you have success, like you clean that animal, or you, or you like you, you quarter it and take it to a butcher. I don't know, how everyone's different, but and, and then you, you know, you go home, you process it in a burger, or you freeze it, and then you like, you know, a month later, a week later, you do, defrost it and make a steak for your family. That's great. That's awesome, and I do it all the time. But those days where you walk back to camp with a backstrap, and you get that backstrap out, and you put some. Montreal steak seasoning and put yeah, it on the yeah. fire and all the boys are eating it right then the thing was walking around two hours ago it's like there's something about that that is just so that's yeah it's living man yeah yeah and no, we're it just really kind of is. like this podcast is just catching you and I coming off of the high of doing this shit yeah so hopefully people that are listening can hear it in our voices like we're yeah. not we're not making this up we're yeah. not saying we're excited we're not trying to convince anybody to go do what we did no I like it's not for everybody that's for but sure. Boy, I love talking about it and yeah. I love doing it. And it, if it, I hope it comes through in this because it's certainly when I go home, I'm going to be, like you said, to flip it through my phone. Yeah. I do that with my kid too, though. I look look at pictures of my kid, like, oh, that's cute. I love that kid. But then I flip, oh, hunting, love that too. Yeah. Want to hear, want to see that when I have those memories. You yeah. Because they're, they're, the huge. memories are, are what it's all about, man. Yeah. yeah. I love it. And I you was, and I have hunted new zealand lanai mm-hmm. here now together like there's some great memories in that and you know those there's some i have a lot of perspective on life that i wouldn't have yeah otherwise and these are not you know going to hunting public land in, in new zealand is not some you know aristocracy activity yeah it's not a only for fancy rich people anybody That's can, for sure anybody can have that if they want that adventure yeah. and they desire that you can go get it yeah it's and, out there yeah, and you can come here and hunt too. I mean, it's yeah. not, you know, there's public places to hunt here. Oh, yeah. Ways to do it. You just got to do your research. Yeah. So we're an hour in. We got to go pick up, <laughs> pick up your daughter. Is she at school or ballet? She's at school. All right, we're going to take some some questions here real quick. I've been doing this, and it may or may not work. People that are listening can write in and tell me if it's lame or it actually works. Is this on your Instagram? Yeah. Looking at them Insta story questions. Hopefully there's some good ones. Let's see. Oh, well, we already covered this one. This is Sweet Camo Girl. What she's up, Sweet a, Camo Girl? She's a big listener. <laughs> she says, where do you find more peace? In the woods or in the water? Yeah, I, th- I think we, I I think we, we answered we, that. Yeah, but that's a huge part of the reason that I love bow hunting is the same as surfing. Is, is uh, The stress level goes way down. Way down. For sure. We say woods, like unequivocally. Huh? We say unequivocally woods is the place over the water. Yeah, because bowhunt. I mean, surfing. I'm usually surfing with the people. Yeah, probably h- half the bow hunting I do, if not more, I'm by myself. Yeah, I love that. I love a bow hunting by myself. 
Yeah, me, yeah, me too. Um, I, we were talking about that in camp today. Like, or, uh, Jonathan Hart was in camp and was the founder of Sitka, and he he was saying he loves hunting in pairs. Like, he loves the strategy. Mm-hmm. He loves like you go this way, I'll go that way. You glass, I'll go. He loves that back and forth. And both you and I were saying, yeah, but hunting by yourself is pretty freaking awesome too. Yeah, like there's not one that's better than the other. That's what no. makes it so cool. Is is I mean, hunting with a friend too and being being right there when your friend gets to full draw yeah. and you see that all happening in real time. Oh, it's And then if you're the guy there and your friend's right behind you and the pressure's on and he's going to watch you make that shot, that's oh. to share that experience with a really close friend like that is it's really freaking cool. And your friendships are made closer by that stuff. Yeah. Like and to hug it out right afterwards, you see that yeah. animal go down, and you hug and scream ah. like little girls. Well, when but, you were day two, we were hunting in the pouring rain after this giant ram. Yeah, she's and you a went, giant. You went up this hill. It's like we thought we were going to kill it. Yeah, you went up this little rise, and I stayed at the bottom. And, and they I, were just on the other side. They were just like you, thirty yards on the other side, and this is a ram of a lifetime. And I'm yeah. down there. I was. N- I could never have been more excited in any moment of my life other than like the birth of my son or something like that <laughs> i was i was back there going like my hands were shaking i'm like draw draw he's gonna do it he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be there yeah he's gonna be there and like super disappointed when he wasn't there but that even just being on the sidelines yeah for somebody else well when you when you when you're with your buddy and one of you shoots and makes it happen and it all goes down you're like yeah and you're yeah. there's someone right there to give you that feedback yeah which is amazing but when there's nobody there to give you that feedback, it's amazing. Yeah. You're just standing there. Yeah. Do you ever just like... When, and when you're standing I, there with your bow and you're looking down your bow. I just did that. This when, just happened. When, I need to go there, clean that animal right now. You walk up and you get your meat bag out and your knife and it's just you, your knife, your meat bag, and the animal. Yeah. And it's like, it's just like you could have fucked the shot up. You could have fucked up that too. Yeah. That thing's just sitting there and the longer you wait, you know, you can easily mess up the meat care part of it. And that's that part is like a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Well, that that's too... I'm sure you do the same as I do. Sometimes when I shoot an animal and I'm by myself and I don't know what to do, I just look around. I just make sure to take, look around and take it all in and yeah. and just look around, look at where I am and think about how I got here and, and just be present for a minute rather than like, oh, I got a million things to do. I got, it's like, give it a minute. Yeah. Give it a minute. Because especially for me, hunting in Hawaii for Mouflon in a beautiful place is not something you know, maybe I'll never get to do it again. Hope not, yeah. but like it's worthy I, of, it's worthy of some reverence in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, let's see what, we'll, we'll see what else we got. We got, well, this, uh, who whiskey Pete asks, what's your ideal surf and turf combo that you could harvest yourself? Like if you spear fish maybe and you mm. went, I'd say, Oh no tacos. And, and um, Ono is a Hawaiian word for Wahoo, I think you got Yeah, Wahoo. Wahoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Wahoo tacos. Um, and then I'd go with Axis Deer. Axis Deer Backstrap or Axis Deer Tenderloin. Yeah. One or the other, yeah. If anybody has an argument against that, then go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's delicious. Yeah, pretty hard to beat that. That's delicious. Um, see if we got one more good one here. Oh, we well, we already covered a lot of these awesome questions. That means we're doing our jobs. What was the moment that hooked you? What was the ultimate moment that hooked you on bow hunting? Was there one moment, Shane Dorian? This is from T- Toby McNeil. Uh, honestly, the the thing that really 
sunk itself into me where I knew there was no turning back is after I read Cameron Haynes' book, Backcountry Bow Hunting. Yeah. I got so inspired by that book. I knew very little about bow hunting at the time, but I could shoot about 25 yards. And I read that book, and in the book, for those who haven't read it, you should read it right away. It's epic. But he, he talks about all this stuff. I was just such a novice. I, it was all news to me. But he went into like his experiences of like planning and training for and setting up these rad backcountry bow hunting missions with his buddy or by himself. And it got me so inspired. I went out and, and got like all the ultralight gear, like an ultralight. I was so excited. I got um, ultralight sleeping bag and ultralight st- little camp stove and like the, the, the tent. And I just went rogue. I started like doing, <laughs> I did one big trip in the mountains by myself here uh, in, here in Hawaii and carried all my own water and is in the mountains and I killed a big ram and I walked back to my tent with fresh meat and cooked it up on the fire and like that was it. I remember like looking around under the stars eating my ram that I just killed and in my tent and I just was like, you got to be kidding me. I've never, this is like if I thought I had lived 100% before that, I hadn't, you know, yeah. it was like a whole a new great. level. I take that away from this podcast. Live and do a hundred percent. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I think at the base of our human DNA, we're trying to like max our potential. Yeah, you know, whether yeah. you're a seven year old soccer player trying to maximize your potential, like the absolute top. And I there's this, those those fleeting moments in life as a human. I think where you're like, this is it right here. It's happening, and as soon as you get it, it feels like it's almost gone. And that was yeah. one of those moments where I was like, this is it. It's yeah. happening right this second. Yeah, that's awesome. And I take another dude. bite. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I could talk about that forever, man. That is a great concept. And I think we're hunting is just a celebration of our humanity at some level because we've been yeah. doing it for freaking ever. Yeah. Man, millions of years. So that's a good place to end it. Um, thank you, Shano. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was fun. Let's do it again. It's a hell of a, yeah, we're going to do it again. Let's go hunting just again. Plan to do, do a it podcast tomorrow. Yeah. The yep. next day. In a couple of months, I'm going to be like, hey, Ben, let's do a podcast pretty soon here. Have we podcasted lately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's going to be code. That's code. <laughs> we need to do another episode, yeah. man. We honey, have, honey, me and Ben are going to uh, do a podcast again. Yeah, soon. honey. We're, we've, yeah, we've, we really got, we've, I, we're working on the scheduling. for <laughs> It's a seven-day podcast. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's in the Himalayas. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's on location. Yeah. All right. Thanks, bro. Cool. Thank you. That's it. That's all. Episode 34 in the books. Thank you to Shane Dorian, his wife Lisa, and his two awesome kids, Charlie and Jackson, for letting me stay at their place, run around Hawaii with them, learn about the culture, learn about the hunting there, and do all that we did. It was an awesome trip, and I appreciate their hospitality. I hope you learned a lot from the conversation. And Shane is one of my favorite people on the planet earth and in the meantime until we get to the next awesome conversation with somebody that we all can learn from you should go to the meateater.com and you should go to the listen tab and you should start with the hunting collective of course because you love it so much but you should also check out meat eater podcast you should also check out anchored podcast you should also check out wired to hunt podcast to find out what's going on with all those wonderful folks and get an update from the Meat Eater Incorporated team. And then when you're done all that, you have some extra time, you go click around the, the website, read the articles, get some knowledge, learn how to cook, learn how to hunt, <laughs> learn how to fish, get informed 
all those beautiful things are done at TheMeatEater.com. And then when you're done that, when you're done all those things and you have some extra time, sign up for, and this will save you time later, sign up for the Meat Eater newsletter on the homepage. You'll see a little sign up sheet. You just hit sign up. Now, when you signed up, your email inbox will be gifted every Wednesday morning, gifted new articles, fresh articles from TheMeatEater.com, or you can do all the lovely things we talked about. You're going to learn how to do lots of stuff. Trust me. So that is it. That is all. Episode number 34 was great. I can't wait for episode number 35. So come join us next Tuesday morning. We'll see you then. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.